Greetings, royal family. Welcome to the Queen Bonnie podcast. I'm Queen Bonnie, your host, who does the most, just honestly. And I am here again today, you know, on my regular shit. Um, And we is talking about some popular culture TV shows, The Maid, You. We're going to get into that. And we're also going to get into... A little bit about parenting and childhood trauma. We're going to get into a little tea. It's a little hot, but it's a little spicy today, too. So let's get into it. All right. I hope y'all have had a great week. I hope that since the last time I saw you, you're a little bit different, but in the best way possible. Um, let's get into it. So this segment is going to be about cinema criticisms. Um, I am going to give my critiques on popular TV shows, movies, what's new um, in the media world as far as visual movies and things of that nature, um, TV shows and all that, and how I feel about what they're portraying, how they're communicating these ideas, and just, you know, my little piece on that. If you have any suggestions on what I should name this segment, message me. Because I need help naming this. Anyways, so I said we're going to talk about You and the Maid. You is a TV show about Joe. If you don't know who Joe is, Joe is the third season of You. And a lot of people are familiar with our mysterious, hatted Caucasian, okay? So Joe, um, in this season of You, um, Joe and his wife, Love, have had a baby. They've moved to suburbia. And they are hmm, living their suburban, air quote, dream. But Joe has obsessive personality traits that kind of, well, very clearly work against his own good okay so it's all fiction very i think it's very well written the actors did great um but here's how i really feel about the show overall it's very well filmed um and written the plot is juicy um the actors did what needed to be done but my issues my critiques my problems about you is the fantasized abuse and violence um because and i say that not necessarily the show doesn't fantasize violence and abuse as much as we people who are viewing the show are fantasizing it more i've seen so many memes so many um, TikToks about like how people are really smitten with this character of Joe. Like, if I could just describe Joe in three words, it would be charming. Let's give myself five words so I can clearly paint a picture of this character. Joe is mysterious. He is charming. He is obsessive narcissistic and a complete overthinker um so and not I, i'm a person who doesn't believe that these characteristics or things themselves or people can be good or bad i feel like everything is a mix because life is multifaceted in that way but the way that people have fetish fetishized that's the right word fetishized abusive behavior is wild to me and it's wild because like joe literally obsesses over a person and then overthinks to the point where he puts himself in your life in a way that's going to make you need him um or a way that makes it seem accidental but he's been watching you for months and stalking the fuck out of you so I don't like how it's it's like people are like, oh, I want me a man like Joe. Y'all, y'all men don't be loving y'all women for real because Joe really love love. It lit spoiler alert. The season fucking ends with 
Joe killing his wife in pursuit of another woman. Does Joe love love? Like, does he? No, Joe loves himself. Joe, Joe loves what he can receive from these people. So the fact that we live in a world that doesn't even believe abuse victims, but then they fantasize and fetishize abuse is wild to me. It's literally wild. And that's why I wanted to talk about also the TV show called The Maid. The Maid is about a white woman who is in a abusive or emotionally abusive, still abusive, but emotionally abusive relationship with a man. They have a daughter. She leaves. And because of where she lives, they don't deem emotional abuse as a real form of abuse. They don't they are not they don't think that is valid so this woman struggles to um provide an independent life for her daughter for herself uh because the her husband um or baby daddy boyfriend whatever her significant other is continuously allowed the space to continuously abuse her so some things about the maid that were eye-opening to me is that we all know the world lives in cycles. We move in cycles. It's ebb and flow always. The fact that her dad was abusive to her mother, so he couldn't recognize the emotional abuse that her husband or boyfriend, significant other, whatever, was putting her through was beyond me. And it was beyond me because... We normalize so many things. We validate so many things to the point where we cannot even see that when it's wrong, when we're visualizing it, when we're seeing it happen to our own people, um, accountability, it all lacks accountability. It lacks accountability because you can't see what other people are doing to your loved ones because you do these same things to them. So you don't deem it a problem. And that's crazy to me. Like in in one episode of the show, she literally gets her dad to come to lunch and is basically like, I need you to be a character witness and say that you saw him emotionally abuse me. And her dad was like, I never seen that. And she was like, the day was eating dinner. He like forced me to eat the food. And she's like, I mean, her dad's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What? What? You don't know what she's talking about. I think you're lying, sir. I think you most definitely do know exactly what the fuck she's talking about. And the fact that you're willing to normalize or ignore that because you've done the same thing to her mother is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's like these shows, okay, also Netflix, these shows are both on Netflix. They both premiered around the same time. And that shows you the, it really shows you the society we live in. We will fantasize and fetishize and obsess and be sexually aroused by abuse, violence, all of these things in TV shows, and then not validate the reality that this is someone's real life. And it's not a fantasy or a fetish or something to them this is they're in real danger they feel backed into a corner emotionally and it's even crazier because there is a uh influencer Ari Fletcher she's money back yo's girlfriend and she basically was saying that the maid was fiction that that's a fiction story because emotional abuse is not real and it made me really put in perspective of how many women men how many situations people have been put in to where they think that someone emotionally abusing you or manipulating you is valid is right is normal is okay is what should occur and it isn't like and we normalize it too much and it bothers me. It bothers me to the point where when I get in situations and I realize that I am being emotionally abused, it makes me want to be like, yeah, we cutting all ties. Like, especially if you are refusing to get it, if you're refusing to get it. So my personal only experience with this has been with friends and relationships too, but with friends, like 
we're friends and we talk about everything. We just have good communication skills and we talk about everything. But then when there's an issue, you refuse to address it and you result to blatant, ignore, blatantly ignoring people um, or passive aggressive behavior. Um, even when someone is trying to and is willing to address it personally. It's a difference if you don't want to talk about it right now. And then there's a difference in you're going to ignore me until I bend to your will. That's emotional abuse. That's emotional emotional manipulation. And that shit is wild that people validate that. That people think that's the right way to go about dealing with people. But how... Would you like it if the if the odds were returned? And people so quick to be like, I don't care about people ghosting me. I don't care about, you know, not having these people in my life. If that were the case, then why are you hanging out with them in the first place? Let's get into that. And then why are you allowing them the access to you? And as someone who has been emotionally abused multiple times, I have realized that I have to make it my place to be like, yeah, I'm removing myself because we can't continue on this cycle because you think that this is working. And I'm aware that I'm just continuously still trying to be your friend. But then I question myself. Then I'm looking at my own self like, so what do you need to work on in your confidence so that you will stop wavering and adjusting your boundaries to fit the stipulations of others who literally are willing to ignore you before they address the problem. And I'm not talking about, and it's a difference, like I said already, it's a difference in the fact that, hey, I don't want to address this right now because I'm upset or I don't have the words or X, Y, Z. But you ignoring me until I bend to your will, that's manipulation at its finest, broadly. So why am I doing that? Why would I put myself in that type of situation continuously? Especially when at some point I'm going to realize I'm not getting as much out of this as I thought I was. Period. So I think that it's crazy. It's really crazy. Uh, I think of how in relationships, in so many dynamics, emotional abuse is far, 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 far too common. Like even in, I'll give examples, even in uh relationships like parent children relationships parents often i will say not all parents but i have seen often that parents emotionally abuse their children you putting your emotions off on a child is a lot for a child to bear when they're still trying to understand and adjust to their own emotions lashing out is a form of emotional abuse well, this is just how I talk. You can't just talk to people with tongue lashings. That's just inappropriate and unacceptable, frankly. Or even for people to be like, well, I'm working on myself. Sometimes I have mistakes and that's fine. No one is perfect, but you are not. And I'm not entitled to being patient. You're not entitled to my patience because I understand that you're working on yourself. You are still held to the same expectation and the same um, standard of high quality interaction, of high quality communication, intentional communication. And I think that so in parental parental relationships, parent child relationships, even as children go grow older and they become their own adult. In the, and get more comfortable and accepting in their own personality, I think that parents still have a hard time maintaining and understanding the boundary. So we were talking about emotional abuse. And so before I get into the types of emotional types of relationships where I see a lot of emotional abuse, I wanted to really just dive into what emotional abuse looks like or different types of emotional abuse. Emotional abuse can be overprotection, um, like, and there's a thin line between being protective and being overprotective, but overprotective, being overprotective, um, 
can be emotional abuse, especially when someone is shaming you for their overprotection. They're shaming you because of the, oh, well, you made me get angry because why were you allowing this X, Y, Z? That's an example. Gaslighting, um, which is defined by an attempt to make someone believe that he or she is insane by subjugating them to a series of experiences that have no rational explanation. Um, so that's like when you're lying and you know you're lying and then you're like, why are you acting crazy? No, why are you acting like what I'm saying doesn't make sense? Gaslighting, name calling, that's self-explanatory. Gradual isolation, which a lot of different types of abuse require or... Uh, one of the first signs or flags is isolation. Oh, well, I don't like these people that are a part of your life. I don't like you being around X, Y, Z or such and such. I don't like you doing this without me. Cold shouldering. When we were talking, when I was talking earlier about um, blatantly, blatantly ignoring people, um, the more um, exact term for that. Is cold shouldering. Um, it can be mild to passive aggressive. Um, at its most severe, it is. Uh, it can feel like this is what Google says: absolute psychological torture. Um, the abuser can walk around the room as if they don't see or hear um, the the person that is talking to them, or go about their day as if that person is invisible. Sheer dismissal. Period. So cold shouldering, guilt tripping, um, uh, um, which is self-explanatory. Coercive sex, um, which I feel like another thing that our society never addresses, how coercive sex is. In general, and how coercive we are about sex um, towards certain demographics of people, children, uh, including and not limited to children, women, men, literally everybody. Uh, it's the the uh, societal stereotype that all men uh, are highly sexual, or all women are only aroused sexually um by emotional arousal or and and that they really don't like sex um or that um well you should have sex everyone's doing it uh coercive sex damage to property stalking body shaming financial abuse is another form of emotional abuse um abusive sleep deprivation um which is wow uh because i never thought of that as which clearly Abusive sleep deprivation is um, emotional abuse, but I never like uh, realized that as a form or acknowledged more so that as a form. And I say that because like I have been in situations where I'm telling someone I'm tired and they're intentionally trying to keep me awake for whatever the case might may be, whether it's... Um, you're mad at something I did, so now I'm going to blast music all day and all night, even though I know you're asleep um, because I'm mad at what you did. Or I just want to argue, even though you've said, hey, I'm asleep. Hey, I'm sleepy. I don't care about that. I'm still going to try to argue with you. Um, So those are different types of emotional abuse. And I see like um, body shaming, um, damage to property. I see uh, guilt tripping, cold shouldering, um, name calling, and a lot of parental to children relationships. And especially at young ages where children are learning themselves, these lead to so many problems later in life. Like, why would you call your child out of your name, out of their name. Why would you shame a child for the body that they have naturally? Like what other body could they have? I've also seen emotional abuse in relationships, in friendships, um, in sibling relationships. Like there is no, I think so many times when people think of abuse, any type of abuse, they think it's limited to 
spousal or romantic relationships and any type of relationship can have abuse in it. And I think that people should acknowledge more that these type of abuses um, have more longer lingering side effects. If you beat the shit out of me, yeah, I'm a physically heal and you're going to see that and you're going to think that I'm better. You're never going to know how bad your emotional abuse is to someone. You're never going to know because you're never going to be able to see that. And when they think, begin to think that they're over something, they'll realize that, damn, that shit really had me more fucked up than I thought. And um, some ways, some ways to heal emotional abuse Um, some steps it says to heal from emotional abuse is to acknowledge the abuse, change the negative thought patterns and acknowledge the negative thought patterns that stem from the abuse, engage in self-care a lot, set boundaries and maintain them and know when to seek help. Um, and I think that this like acknowledging, acknowledging you cannot do better until you know better, until you are aware of what is actually going the fuck on. So acknowledging the abuse, seeing what's really happening. Um, I recently was in uh, a very odd dynamic, uh, relationship dynamic, and I did not realize how emotionally abused I was being. Uh, I had I had been treated how emotionally abused I was being treated. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm forming that sentence properly. Regardless, whatever. Um, I didn't realize until it was seeming like the relationship was over. And then I'm sitting there questioning myself like, well, why did you allow it to get this far? And... Back to the whole, what do I need to work on with my confidence, X, Y, Z, just transparency. Like, if you were a little bit more confident, you wouldn't have a lot, even allowed the space for these things. Um, nonetheless, these things have happened, and what can I do about them? Um, and ways that I realized I was being emotionally abused. Um, I was being talked at instead of talked to. Um, I wasn't being heard, but... Uh, I I wasn't being heard um, or I was being belittled and ridiculed for what I was saying. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, you're dumb. Oh, um, you, everything, you're this or you're that. Um, telling me who I am or assuming who I am um, in a way that is attacking, in a way that was very like, well, are you good enough? And I, I didn't realize how much I was allowing that. Um, and it made me, it really, honestly, it really was not until I watched The Maid that I realized how much we had normalized uh, generationally emotional abuse. Well, that's how, that's what people do in relationships. And that's what, just what they go through and people just work it out. And that's normalization. Like, that's not what the relationship has to be. That's not what the relationship has to entail. It doesn't have to entail that when we disagree, we argue. I once read a book, and the book said, if we're going to, to argue about my feelings is one of the dumbest things to argue about. And when they said that, I really understood that because we're arguing about how I feel, something that can change. But instead of listening to how I feel or willing to understand how I feel, you want to argue? Motherfuckers arguing with me about my feelings make me turn into fucking plies. I 
can't argue with you. Like, what? What argue with you about my feelings is different if you want to understand and discuss. If you want to even reason with my emotions, I will understand and allow that. But to argue with me about how I feel, argue as if that will cause change is something I never understood. Um, and it made me really realize that so, 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 so many people um, are and have been one, emotionally abused. Two, they do not know better or uh, or 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 do are not aware or they are not aware enough of themselves to even realize that they're doing such a thing. Um and it has really been living the process of living, the process of having relationships and community with other people um, has really showed me how we really think and how jaded we as people can be um, because of our perspective and how we take, how we impose, one, our perspective on other people, but how we take other people's perspective so personal. And it's just their perspective. It doesn't make them, it doesn't make it law. It doesn't make them God. It doesn't make them, it doesn't make their perspective any more real or unreal than mine. But it's their perspective of their reality. And I have really learned, I have really, really learned not to take other people's perspectives personal. That's just your perspective. But that doesn't mean that it's my perspective or that it aligns with my perspective or that I even agree at all. It's just your perspective. And often I feel like we impose our perspective on other people. And that's why people even become abusive in the first place in any way, shape or form. Because, well, you disagree with me or you don't. It's manipulation. I'm abusing you so that I can get what I want and get my way. It's manipulation. And even if it's subconscious, because you're not intentional enough in your body and being in moments, even if your abuse is subconscious uh, as far as abusing other people, uh, because as far as being abused, there is always a subconscious underlying effect. Because things do weigh on people. And for the person, the abuser, who is subconsciously abusing people, they're probably stuck in a cycle of abuse that they're even unaware of that they're perpetuating. And it's crazy because so many people are that way. So many people are only mimicking what they've seen in their environment. And they think this is how people act. Because people manipulate people to get their way instead of allowing people the space to choose. And I think with that, I'm going to ask the question of, are you perpetuating the cycle of your parents or of your grandparents or of your lineage in general? Are you perpetuating some ancestral cycle? Um, And if so, what do you plan to do about that? And I say that because what made me get here? Okay. So uh, looking once I meet people and then I meet or I hear about where they explain their their family, their parents, X, Y, Z. I always look at it like, well, which, what's my question? Which parent do you mimic more? Um, and do you see that in yourself? So for me personally, I feel like I look like my mother, but I have the mouth 
of my father. And I have the friendliness. Like, I see which characteristics I get from which parent. Um, But then I also see, like, the cycles that generationally I'm perpetuating. Like, I come from a line, a long line of entrepreneurs. It's not on me, it's in me. Because my people been making their own business. They've been doing that type of thing. That's what came naturally to them. So I realized that with my need, um, with just me being already a rebellious spirit, and then my need for the fluctuation and flow and flexibility of entrepreneurship, that I enjoy that. I enjoy all that comes with the entrepreneurship. But I do understand the more that I've gotten to know my ancestors, the more I've gotten to know my elders and my living family, that this is us. This is what we do. So even with that, um, going back to parentally, um, knowing that I look like my mother and like I feel like my mom has always had the brightest smile. Like, talk about light up a room, always. So I feel like I have that same smile, get that from my mom. But my my talk, my blatant, blunt honesty, that's definitely from my dad. And then I see, I'm like, sometimes I'm talking to my dad or I talk to my dad. And I realized, I was like, oh, this nigga don't know how to talk to people. So then I just be thinking to myself, like, well, you have your dad's mouth, so then maybe you should work on how you talk to people. So then I've still been practicing my same uh, lesson or keeping that at the forefront of my mind of being um, slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to observe, quick to listen. And I have realized, like, there's been very, 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 very many times where I've been wanting to, like, come back with the quickness. And I'm like, you're supposed to be being slow to speak. Because I know if I come back with the quickness, I'm going to eat that ass up. Okay? I'm going to give you a tongue lashing for sure. Um, because I know. And and then, like, if I when I take that little breath of patience and take... Uh, more time, then I realized, like, oh, that person may not have meant that that way. Oh, that wasn't, they weren't trying to be disrespectful even, or they weren't trying to, like, be funny acting with me. That's just their tone. And I feel like that has been, like, something hard for me to work on or realize, but then I realized, like, I don't want to be my parents. I admire them, but I don't want to be them. So then how do I consistently go about ensuring that I don't I don't become a reincarnation of my parents? I become my own person and maybe a reincarnation of someone a couple generations back with some uh, influence by my parents, if that makes sense. Um, I think that there are so many stereotypes regarding parents. Um, I watched this video or TikTok video on Instagram, TikTok, and it was basically a guy talking about his experience of being raised by a black single mother. And he was it was so negative. It was so negative. And that doesn't mean that I don't like this TikTok or XYZ. All I'm saying is that that was negative because it generalized and stereotyped black women as a whole. And like not invalidating his experience um, at all whatsoever. But I do realize that not everyone, not everyone has your best interests. But also at the same time, not everyone is also against you that living is a a battle of trust do i trust this person xyz so trust being considered the stereotypes are revolving around single and two-parent households is baffling to me because we will shame single-parent households as if Being a single parent is something that most people ask for, and it is not. 
We will shame two-parent households for not being able to still come up with the finances like the cost of living in in this country is not astronomical. From watching the TikTok about the guy explaining his experience with being raised by a single black mother, I realized that there are so many stereotypes related to uh, uh, like households, um, and just that, like, there are so many st- stigmas attached with, oh, I grew up in a single parent household, oh, I grew up in a two parent household, because a lot of people who grew up in single parent households, which is actually a lot of people, especially black people, a lot of black people who grew up in single family households think that they missed something because they didn't grow up in a two-parent household. But there are people who grow up in two-parent households who will still uh, acknowledge and, and communicate that my upbringing wasn't perfect because I had two parents. And I think it's, for me, I've noticed that it's a grass, is, it's a grass comparison. Oh, I think their grass is greener on the other side, when really their grass may be just as brown and just as unnourished because they're looking at other people's grass. Um, And I've noticed that a lot of times in two-parent households, um, they're so so hell-bent on um, ensuring they stay together because this is best for the kids. Is it? Because in some two-parent households, you're staying together for the kids, but y'all arguing, y'all screaming, y'all throwing shit. Is it better to stay together for the kids? And why are y'all not staying together? Why are y'all staying together for the kids instead of yourselves? Because it's, and, and, and people have to address that because everyone, if you're not on the same page, are y'all on the same team? Realistically. So if Y'all, uh, prime example is my best friend. My best friend does not believe that um, relationship or marriage, that marriage is about love. She believes that marriage is about stability. She believes that you should be marrying for stability. You should not decide, oh, I'm going to marry this person because I love. Now, this is my best friend, not me. That you should marry this person because you love them. You should marry this person because they offer you something and you offer them something. Y'all offer each other stability. They do things you can't, you do things they can't. You can look out for them in ways they can't look out for you, and they can look out for you in ways you can't look out for yourself, and vice versa. I, on the other hand, believe that marriage is all-encompassing, that if we can't be on the same page, like, that's why I personally think people get married too soon. Y'all be dating a couple months, y'all getting married. Y'all be dating a couple years, y'all getting married. I don't mind being with someone for years before I decide, hey, I want to get married because I want us to completely unwaveringly have no gray area about that. We are on the same page. We're on the same page. And then um, so I want to know that for sure. I want to know that in every that I know you that people I know that people cannot read your mind. But I want you to know me so well that you know what my response is or you know how I feel about this issue or you're at least in the ballpark. I want you to know me that way. Um, And I've noticed that in two parent households, uh, a lot of times it's not equally yoked. And so then in my at my mind, I'm like, well, why why must me why must we continue? So when I say equally yoked, I'm meaning like both people don't offer the same amount of teamwork. Um, a lot of times, uh, I was looking at a TikTok about comparison, comparing moms and dads in two parent household. The mom is the nurturer, the homemaker. Um, the, the one who takes care of the kids, cooks the dinner, cleans the house, who, um, and this mom still may have a job and a life or X, Y, Z. And the dad is seen as the provider. Oh, um, if you need some money for something, I got you. But if you need to talk about something serious, talk to your mom. And for me, that don't sit well with me because I'm like, we're a team. Our kids should be able to come to both of us. Because then you're saying that 
if these are my responsibilities and these are your responsibilities, then am I allowed a, an off day? Am I allowed a bad day? Am I allowed to sit and soak in my emotions if that's what I need today? Because they can't ask you. They have to ask me because that falls under my responsibilities. When I personally would want to get married in a team aspect that it's not you or me, it's us. Our kids need us. This is, and I also heard on you when the therapist was like, us is a cop out. Us is a cop out, but us, us is a cop out when um, it's about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. No, we're still individuals. But when it comes to our kids, this should be an us. When it comes to our family unit, it's an us. When it comes to us working together for the betterment of our house, it should be an us because we're a household. We're all in this together. Um, but then I think that uh, too commonly, Emotional abuse plays a part in that as well because people are not understanding how to uh, problem solve or resolve conflicts or resolve issues as they arise because they don't know how to deal with that. They've never seen that dealt with properly because a lot of people are just mimicking what they see and they're 30 plus years old, they're 25 plus years old, they're 20 plus years old and they're still mimicking their environment. They're still mimicking their childhood. And I think that we get so as someone who is older now, we get so caught up in living our day-to-day lives and getting caught um in the monotony of it all that we really Forget that these are our children's. These are their first memories. These days are new to them and that we're setting the tone and we're setting the example in their eyes. So often I think that we forget that when setting an example, that our examples will be mimicked. So for me in setting the example, I often try just to do my best. I may not get it perfect. But I'm not too big to apologize, especially when it comes to my children. Um, When it comes to my children, I try to set the example, like, don't take no shit. Stand on niggas' necks. But also, you can be loving. Also, you can be genuine. Also, you can be vulnerable and transparent. And, and and not look for things that you need from your, for yourself in other people or from other people. But I think that often people find it very hard to understand that concept. They find it very hard to understand that perspective um, about how, how they can go about being a proper example in their children's eyes. And it just goes with being intentional moment to moment. Yes, I realized when I was a kid that if I asked too many questions, my mother got short of patience and she yelled. But I don't have to yell. And even when I get short of patience, I just communicate. So an example is uh, yesterday, my son, one of my sons asked me, um, hey, Bunny, how you doing? And I was like, Bunny, not having a good day today. He said, it's going to get better. It's okay. And he was like, he gave me a little leg hug. And I was like, thanks. And then. My other son come and sit in my lap a couple hours later. He was like, want a hug? And I was like, yeah. And I started doing my little sniffles and things because I really was having a bad day. And he was like, I heard you crying up there. It's okay, mom. And I was just like, man, it's, it's the seeing me. Because very often do we not see our kids so they cannot see us. They don't know that. Hey, my mom has a bad day because we're, we're in their eyes. We're superheroes. We're so, so pedal. Pedalize, pedestalize, pedestalize. We're so high on the pedestal for them that they're like, oh, my mom the best. She do everything the greatest. And they don't see that, like, still superheroes have bad days. Superheroes got tears just like the next man. And when I realize that they see me well because I see them, I'm not belittling of their emotions. I often will tell them, like, it's okay, babe. Or if they cry, I'm like, it's okay. Let it out. It's okay. Having a bad day. It's okay. Having a bad moment. Even there's been times where they've been like, uh, today an awful day. And I was like, that was just a bad moment. We can still have a good day. And they'd be like, how? I'm like, what you going to do? Once I'm, it's, it can be the small things that make your day come back. 
um, cookies or a little walk outside or jumping on a trampoline, little things, little things that feed your inner child. So imagine if as an adult, the feeding your inner child can recuperate your day. What about when you're a child? And I think overall, as my goal as a parent, I try, I am trying to create a childhood that my children don't have to heal from where they don't have this abundance of childhood trauma because it was already addressed. We was already given the things we needed moment to moment. We was already given moments to shine. And all that considered, I think that we just have to see, be more intentional. Even when like I let my kids watch things that may not necessarily be child-friendly, um, I explain to them what's going on and why would, and, and I ask them like, well, why would that person think that's okay? And is this real or fiction? And so that we are like clearly discussing things that we think that matter, or we're clearly addressing, um, what's going on around us. We're clearly acknowledging our surroundings, our environment so that we can work on these things and become better at these things. And it is not seen so much as a, well, you should know that. Like, well, how would they know? Um, To the point where, like, uh, I was having a conversation with someone and they were talking about clearly addressing with children their rewards and their consequences, even if the consequences are natural. Because I'm, I'm just not, I'm not with the whole putting your hands on the kids. I don't understand the concept. And I will say, like, when I first started parenting, I did let older generations influence me that, oh, you got to pop their hands. But then as my son, like, got older to talk, he literally told me when he was about three years old, he was like, why you yell? And I was like, what you mean? He said, if, if, why you yell? Like, it don't make me move faster and it hurt my feelings. So why are you yelling? And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm fucking up. But I was mimicking what I see, and that moment made me realize I have to be more intentional because I don't like to be yelled at. So why would my child? So then it made me realize, like, ooh, okay, we don't have to do what we've always done because that'll give us what we already got, in, which is adults having to heal from their childhood. So if I want to have a child who doesn't have to heal from these things, then I may have to work a little harder at doing something different, having tough conversations, having conversations that means that me and the kid are both crying because this was still hard. And I think just being transparent that, hey, it, being transparent without putting children in adult business, because some things are not for your kid. That's not for them to worry about. Children don't deserve worries. They deserve to be children. So I'm really passionate, if y'all can see, about the next generation and about the kids and about the life that they deserve to have, the beautiful life that they deserve to have, the peaceful, fun, experimental life that they deserve to have. They should be learning. They should be having new experiences daily because they are living and this day is fresh for them. By the time you're an adult, you lived like uh. 300, I'm 26. So 326, uh, 365. Let's not even include the leap year math. So 365 days times 26 years. Well, let's do 25 because I haven't, well, I haven't lived the full 26. But at the end, by my birthday this year, I would have lived 9,000. 490 days, opposed to my six-year-old who has only lived 2,190 days. I have 7,000 more days of experiencing life on my child than my child. So how would they know these things? How would they understand that this is what happens in the moonlight, in the world? I've told my children plethora of times, like, 
The more you know, the more you grow. But that also applies to yourself. The more you sit with your feelings, with meditation, um, journal, the more you can see yourself. And the better the understanding you have of yourself, the more powerful you become. And that is something I personally believe. If you cannot see how jaded you are by your own upbringing, how can you receive the world unbiasedly so that you can receive new information? At first, you have to know that you've been jaded. At first, you have to know that this all that you know is not all that there is to know. And that may be hard to understand originally. And that may be hard to to make peace with because we all hate to be wrong. But being wrong is a part of growth. And forgiving yourself about how wrong you have been is a part of your growth. Because There will be times where you will realize and will have to come to peace with, I wasn't my best in that moment. Or I could have done better. Or I could have been better. Or I could have told the truth. Or I could have, and there are things you could have done differently. And you have to acknowledge why you didn't do that thing that you know you could have done. And how you can work towards accomplishing what you know you can accomplish. And forgiving yourself for feeling like you've made the wrong decisions. And forgiving yourself for feeling like, hey, I know I shouldn't have done this and I did it anyways and I don't feel good about it. Or I know I shouldn't have done this and I did it anyways and I am I'm not mad at myself for what I did. And you don't have to be. Because sometimes we are just doing the best we can with what we have available at the moment. Maybe you didn't know what you know now to have made that better decision. Or maybe in those emotions, you felt like that was the best decision and that's okay. But forgiving yourself is a journey. Forgiving yourself for maybe not always being the best parent or not always being transparent or not always being the best you. Forgiving yourself is a large part, I think, of everyone's journey. And you are limiting yourself until you have learned, until you can learn to forgive yourself. Until then, you're binding yourself to the things that limit you. Because you're still chained to your past. Until you can forgive yourself, you are chained to your past. And I I really don't think people understand how chained to our past that we are. But when you are an adult who cannot heal from your childhood trauma, you are chained to your past. You're chained to it because that is binding you from realizing that maybe I can spoil myself a little bit more because I deserve to hear yes. Or I deserve a luxurious life. Or I just deserve this thing or these things or the best. And I think often we get so caught up in the limitations of what could be, of what could happen. And even then, it could have. That's a hypothetical. That means that something else has already happened and we are not making our peace with that. And I think this human experience is so multifaceted. You can forgive yourself for what you did. While accepting who you are becoming and what you can do. While allowing space for who you could be after you become who you are becoming. And life is multifaceted in that way. And it's beautiful. The past is the past. The future is hypothetical. And the present is a present. Right now is a gift ending all in itself. Just because you have the opportunity to make different choices. Literally, the only thing that is chaining you to the the past or limiting you is your past. What lies behind you doesn't define you. Today, if like, and I don't like uh, hypothetically. If you hated your life right now in this moment, you could choose in this moment to stop leading the life that you have been leading and to live a new and different life. It may be hard. It may be 
a tough experience filled with a lot of tears, but it can be done. You could walk away. You could walk away from this life right now today, but you're chained to this life because of your past. You want to continue to work that job, to do this job, to do this task, to live in this house, to drive this car because of yesterday. Well, I made a contract yesterday, so I got to keep this. I signed a lease yesterday, so I got to keep living here. Um, I'm under contract to work here for this amount of time. Or I said I would do this. Yes, you can be impeccable with your word, but you also can do what's best for you. And I think being chained to your past will limit you a lot of times in doing what is best for you. Sometimes we are sacrificing too much because of our past. So... I have to keep working this job because X, Y, Z reason. But you are miserable. You hate that job. You hate that maybe that house. You hate maybe that car. Maybe there's been times you've had to push that motherfucking car after that shit broke down. And you have to get that bitch fixed. Hey, if every time... You get to going in the car and the car get to breaking down. And maybe we need to leave that bitch right here where that fucker is at. Okay? Because we got to do something different. Maybe my blessing is awaiting me on my first train ride. Maybe your blessing is awaiting you in your first Uber. Maybe your path may be completely different if you make a different change today. Maybe. Um... So I just ask this week that maybe y'all try to do something different. Take a different path. Choose a different option. Go with your gut. Follow your heart. Instead of following your responsibilities or adhering to the chains of the past. Your dreams matter. Your life matters. You matter. The life you want to have for yourself matters and you should build that and maybe you'll start building it today and it'll start as a list of the life you want to have for yourself and that list will get broken down into how can we accomplish these things but feed your soul Let's say this is our only time on this earth. Feed your soul. Live a life that you're proud to live. Live a life that makes you feel good. Live a life that you are excited to wake up and live. There are times that I wake up super early and I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to get up. And then once I'm up, I am ecstatic. I am ecstatic because I love the life that I live. I love being a mama. I love being black. I love being connected to spirit. I love being a weird girl. I love being an entrepreneur. I love that art and creativity make me feel free. I love my life, and I just want people to live a life that they love, a life that makes them feel good, a life that makes them proud of where they are and who they are becoming. And if you see who you're becoming and you don't like who you are becoming, change it until you find exactly who you want to become. And you may never have seen that before. I feel like that about myself. I feel like I've never seen me before. I've seen glimpses of me and other people, but I've never met a woman like myself before. And I love that because maybe a little girl will see me and see herself and see that I can be in love with myself. I can be... Everything I want to be in limited and unlimited completely. Because I really am an unlimited being. I am not bound by the flesh that I'm in. I'm not bound by the past that I have. I'm not bound by yesterday. 
I'm not bound by other people. And that doesn't mean that the past is not important, but the past is here to teach us lessons so that we can move differently in the future. Because if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Queen Bonnie Podcast. If you want to keep in touch with me on my social media links, the links to shop and the links to watch me on any other platforms are in the description below. Until next time, walk in your power, be blessed, be you, and thrive, not survive, for we have survived long enough. It's time we get to thrive in who we are becoming. Ashe, have a great day.